voting rights are under attack. Didn't we say that in our last video? We've said that in a lot of our videos. <laughs> is everything under attack? Um, considering that we do videos based on what the media is portraying, mm, I would assume that everything's under attack. Apparently. At least that's what they're telling us. But this time, it's voting rights. Yeah. Yet again, yet again, the voting rights are, apparently, they're under attack. Yes. Um. We have a few articles pulled up. The one that set us off was this the first one. set us off, did it? Yeah. Um, it's from Yahoo News, and the I think the title says everything, honestly. Um, Democratic Representative Beattie which we established, I can't pronounce her name, um, arrested while calling for Senate action on voting rights. So we start our article. Representative, I'm just going to call her Representative Joyce. Um, Democrat from Ohio was arrested on Thursday afternoon at the U.S. Capitol while protesting in favor of voting rights legislation. Joyce, the chairwoman of the Congressional Black Caucus, was part of a small group urging the Senate to pass the For the People Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, federal legislation that would curtail restrictions being set on voting and gerrymandering at the state level. Speaking on the Hill before her march into the Hart Senate office building, Ms. Joyce compared this moment to the civil rights movement of the mid-20th century, saying... We might as well have the dogs and the hoses because we don't have the Voting Rights Act. And that's why we need to march in these streets. We need to march as those who are followers of Martin Luther King and John Lewis. That's kind of a disgusting comparison. I mean, I get that it's supposed to trigger people out there, um, but it's not even close. I'm 28, and I know it's not even close. Yeah. And she knows that, too. She knows that, too. Yeah. Um Whatever. It's, it's for the articles. It's Yeah, it's for the headlines. She added that she hoped she would get arrested. That's what today is about. It's about fighting for everyone. She said it's about fighting for justice. It's about fighting for you. Less than an hour after speaking, Joyce was being zip-tied by U.S. Capitol Police along with a small number of other protesters. Let the people vote. Fight for justice, tweeted the Congresswoman's official Twitter account with two photos of her being arrested. It later tweeted, Good Trouble, as a reference to the late Representative John Lewis, a civil rights icon. Capitol Police said nine people were processed for demonstrating in a prohibited area on Capitol grounds. She released a statement that said, She stands in solidarity with black women and allies across the country in defense of our constitutional right to vote. We have come too far and fought too hard to see everything systematically dismantled and restricted by those who wish to silence us. Be assured that this is just the beginning. So we're not just reading this article only. We're also going to talk about what we found in the H.R. 1 Senate bill that she's very critical about. Um, doesn't seem to do much. Yeah, that's it, my main issue with it, mm -hmm. is it doesn't really do what she says it's trying to do. Right. She's got all of these words about how voting is being systematically dismantled based on race, but nothing in the bill does anything to protect voting based on race or does anything to tackle this yeah. or problem even, that she's bringing up. Or even like targeting specifically those impacted communities mm -hmm. and, and areas. Right. That we could find anyway. Now it's 860 some odd so pages. we might have missed something. I might have skimmed a little bit. 
Um, so if we miss something, leave it in the comment down below. But we but... read the majority mm -hmm. of what had to do with the actual voting mm -hmm. part. And the rest was just... Campaign finance mumbo-jumbo. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I kind of glossed over. But mm -hmm. I read most of the, the actual voting part. Um, where was I? As of June As of 21st. June 21st, 17 states had enacted 28 new laws this year that restrict access to the vote, according to the Brennan Center for Justice. At least 61 bills with restrictive provisions are moving through 18 state legislatures, while 31 have passed at least one chamber. Earlier this month, the Supreme Court ruling by the six Republican-appointed justices delivered another blow to the Voting Rights Act in a case regarding Arizona laws, which she referred to in her marks Thursday afternoon. Has passed the For the People Act in March, but it has been blocked by the Senate filibuster, which requires 60 votes to move forward. President Biden spoke about the importance of protecting voting rights on Tuesday, but faced scrutiny from civil rights leaders and many congressional Democrats for failing to call for the elimination of the filibuster, which would allow for the bill to pass with a simple majority of Democratic votes. I'd just like to point out that if the Republicans held the House and the Senate, I don't think anyone would be calling for the removal i don't think the democrats would be calling for the removal of the of filibuster no everyone loves filibusters when it works for you it works for their favor right and they hate them when it doesn't so and they're important or well it's important because you have to compromise right and it's really and forcing that I mean. compromise when it comes to key issues if you can't get 10 people from the other side on your side maybe your bill's not that good yeah really if your bill starts in the house the bill starts with you um, on Wednesday, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, probably butchered her name too, um, called the filibuster a legislative procedural process that is up to the Senate to determine the path forward on, and said there is currently not the consensus among Senate Democrats needed to support removing it. See, that I disagree with that completely. Like I said before, it's totally up to the House of Representatives to come up with a bill that is going to pass in the Senate. You can't just put something up and pass it in the Congress if you know that it's not going to be passed in Senate. Yeah. And again, my favorite thing is that everyone's like, oh, you don't care about voting rights because you're not passing this bill. But 70, I'll give them 70% mm -hmm. of this bill is not even about voting rights. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, I mean, 30% of your bill's doing what you say it's going to do, and that's the part you're going to focus on mm -hmm. because that makes better headlines. Um, I know we focus on one or two, Saki said, likely referring to moderate Senators Joe Manchin, Democrat West Virginia, and Kristen Sinema, Democrat Arizona, but there is certainly more than that of individuals who oppose changes to the filibuster because of the history. Betty and Beatty and her fellow marchers chanted in the filibuster prior to their arrest. Well, certainly made uh, great headlines, and she got her 15 minutes of fame. Um, Good job. I feel bad for everyone in the Capitol that had to, you know, have that headache for a little while. Yeah. It's, but it's your First Amendment right to protest, so good for her for exercising that right. Um, so we have the bill pulled up here. And we went ahead, and because it's 800 pages long... 860-some-odd pages. And again, it's a bit long. I'm all for reducing the size of bills. Like, there's no reason they need to be this long, or there's no reason why they need to shove every the kitchen sink yeah. 
into the entire bill. And essentially having a TLDR. Too long, didn't read. Right. Sum it up. Really? It would be so much easier to pass if you just did these small segments instead of these large, broad sweeping bills. When I was reading it last night, I was just looking at the table of contents for, I think, half an hour. Just trying to get a summary of what was in it. Half an hour. And it's never like they completely disagree with everything. It's always like one or two issues. Well, yeah, it's always the random little things they throw in. Mm -hmm. Or in this case, I would say, again, 70% of the bill. Mm -hmm. You had a problem with the statues. Tell us about the statues, because I didn't really read the statues. Okay. But that was the first thing you didn't like, and it seemed to be the main thing you didn't like. I got a little sidetracked on that. But when I got... So it... And I don't even have that part pulled back up, but I think I've got it over here. Um, so yeah, so it's section 1935, Placement of Statues of Citizens of Territories of the United States in Statuary Hall. First of all, I was like, what? So I had to Google that. And apparently, yes, there's a whole statuary hall where each state of the 50 states gets two statues of notable... And you know how I feel about statues anyway. Yeah, you don't think they're... I don't know. They're necessary. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just not a big historian, so... I mean, I will agree. If you go to a museum, I, I find museums incredibly boring. Yeah. I think history is incredibly interesting, but I think museums are incredibly boring. So, there's a statuary hall where each state gets to place two notable mm -hmm. people, statues of them. And the statuary hall is it, in the capital. I just looked that up. Oh, that's mm -hmm. good to know. Um, so, they want to extend that to the territories. Guam, Puerto Rico. Which is fine. That's fine. Is it necessary, and should it be in a bill about voting rights? Mm -hmm. That's a good point. That it has nothing my, to do with that it. That was my issue with it. Okay, so you don't really care about the statues. I don't You're care like, about the statues. I'm just like, whatever. Like, that's fine. Whatever they here? want. Like, like you got add the territories is one thing. It's yeah, you fine. got Congresswoman Beatty screaming about ending the filibuster oh, in the, in the capital. for the voting rights. But then you've got a, this a whole section, section here about statues. And when I read the stat, like... When I read the actual section, it made even less sense, but we won't go into all that. Again, just pulling out the silly things mm -hmm. that they tack into these bills that make you go, hmm? I think the placement of the statues, now that I'm reading it, I know that there's a section in this bill that wants to make it easier or kind of lay the groundwork to make those Guam and Puerto Rico and, and Washington, D.C., um, to grant them statehood. So I think maybe this kind of goes along with it. So if you see those statues in the Capitol Hall, then maybe that kind of solidifies, like, hey, here they are, you see them every day, why aren't they states? Maybe they should have put that section closer to that other section. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a Because I don't think point. it's near, because I don't think I read anything about granting statehood yes. at that point. Yeah, oh, okay, at that point. But it is in there. No, I know it's in there. You and I talked mm -hmm. about it yesterday. You pointed it out. But I don't think it's near the the statue mm. section. Well, maybe they did that on purpose. So that we figured it out. I was going to say, because that would have made logical sense. Mm -hmm. But the way I read it didn't make logical sense. I would argue, have you ever been to Crazy Horse, no. the memorial 
it is in South Dakota with Mount Rushmore. It's not right okay. next to Mount Rushmore, but it's close by. And this guy, and I don't remember his name, he started working on it because I think he saw Mount Rushmore and he was like, I can build a bigger, better statue and it's going to be towards, uh, I think it's Crazy Horse. It's going to be for Crazy Horse. And he started working on this thing and his family started working on this thing. And I think his family still works on it and they kind of, you know, they, you know, they pass away and mm -hmm. the kids start working on it. Um, but it is huge. It's immaculate and it's not even close to be done. They just have his head done, I believe. I don't think they wow. have the head of the horse, but it's just the head of Crazy Horse. And my point is, they should put funding for that in here. They like, could forget sneak the it statues. In. They could just put it flat out. They don't. They don't have to. I would be in full support. Put it support. behind the statues. Yeah, put it behind the statues. So. Anyway, I would just think that would be kind of cool. Anyway, that, again, I didn't have a problem with statues. But I that doesn't belong in the voting right bill it, either. No. Yeah. No, it doesn't. I mean, but that's just to the point, again. Mm -hmm. Like, that could be a things. completely separate issue. But then would anybody even think to vote on it? But I feel like people would. Okay, yeah, no, sounds that sounds fine. reasonable. Right. We can vote on that. It's like, that would be so quick. They'd, okay, everyone in favor? Yeah, I... It'd be like a two-page bill. You're yeah. done. Anyway. Hey, that's why one of my one of the things I'm running on is making these bills smaller yeah. and preventing rider legislation. Yeah. Yeah. You had some um more serious concerns with the bill, so oh, we'll throw right. that over to you. Right. So I wanted to know what all the hubbub was about because it was being held up in the Senate or it is being held up in the Senate. Mm -hmm. So why is it being held up in the Senate? So we decided to do a little bit of digging to find out kind of what was on the Republicans' minds to see what they didn't like about it. Yeah. So one of those things is, I guess we can just start off with it, is DC statehood. So it, they, the Republicans were concerned that it would lead to the statehood of like DC uh, along with other districts. And they are right in that regard. So in subtitle C, uh, those big bold letters, finding relating to District of Columbia statehood. So they start off by saying the 705,000 District of Columbia residents deserve voting representation in Congress and local self-government, which only statehood can provide, which is true because they don't get a state um, representative or a member of, of the Senate because they're not officially a state. Now they do they do kind of get like um, a specialty seat. I can't remember really what that's called, but they mm -hmm. don't have the ability to vote in the same way that someone in the Senate or someone in the legislature would be able to do. But my argument for that would be, you know, why not just allow those residents to be attached to, say, Virginia or Maryland? Why do we need to make a different state? Right, because it's clearly just a power grab. Because if you make D.C. a state, then you're getting more legislatures. You're getting more people in the Senate. So it's not necessary to make it a state. You can just attach it to another state, which Article 4 of the Constitution allows that to happen. <laughs> so the other argument I could see you making is saying, okay, we'll make D.C. a statehood, a, a state, but at the same time we'll make Jefferson a state. So that way you keep it even in the Senate. You keep it even in the Electoral College. Yeah. So, So, I mean, I agree with that. It seems unnecessary mm -hmm. to make it state. 
when and you have these other viable options because we, we want to keep things fair. We were reading last night too, I think, an article talking about why that would be not controversial, I guess, but like what it, that a lot of historians and people who want to really go back to how the founding fathers envision this country mm -hmm. that was one of the things they even said you know you have to have that capital mm -hmm. that's that's independent of your states yeah i think it was james madison yeah. who wrote about it and he was a, he, it basically in summer he said that the federal government should have an area in which they can carry out their normal operations without interference from the political affairs of a state yeah so. Which makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. But, I mean, you could make the argument, well, they don't need all of that area. They just need these basic, uh, you know, the Capitol building, the White House. They don't need the entire 10 square miles, which is given to them in the Constitution. And I could agree with that. Yeah. But then it goes back to, well, how do we implement this so that it's fair for everyone? We don't want to do something that alienates half the population by just suddenly granting two more people in the Senate and two more electoral, well, they already get electoral college yeah, votes. Yeah, they get electoral college votes. But, so yeah, just institute it fairly. So if that was amended and it said, okay, we're going to make D.C. a state and maybe we'll make Jefferson a state, or that would be okay. And I mentioned Jefferson only because I don't know if Puerto Rico would be Republican or not. Yeah. But Jefferson would certainly be a Republican. So Jefferson is that area. I, I believe it's Northern California that wants to break off and become its own state. And I think they voted on it already. Good, good for them. Yes. Um, what comes next, we'll see. So the other concern um, was on voter ID. So let's pull that up real quick. So the concern was that the bill would limit the uh, requirement for voter ID. And that is in subtitle one, voting by mail. So it doesn't say anything um, when it comes to voting in person, but when it comes to voting by mail, it specifically states that a state may not require an individual to provide any form of identification as a condition of obtaining an absentee ballot except that nothing in this paragraph may be construed to prevent a state from requiring a signature of the individual or similar affirmation as a condition of obtaining an absentee ballot. So essentially what they're saying is you can do a signature verification, but you can't require someone to show proof of identification to get an absentee ballot. But in some states, if you want to vote in person, you do have to show your voter ID. Mm -hmm. I believe Florida is one of those. As yeah, well. when I voted in 2020, I had to go in, I had to show my ID. Mm -hmm. But even you and I both agree that if you're going to get an absentee ballot, it should be exactly the same as if you're voting by mail and you should show your ID. You should at least provide some form of ID. I, I mm -hmm. do understand. Like, if, if I'm going to go and request an absentee ballot in person, mm -hmm. then fine, I can show my ID. Right. And I was looking up earlier as well, you know, the different absentee ballot, I've just had like summaries, remember, mm -hmm. of, of the, the different absentee ballot rules for requesting them. And, and most of them currently are not even that restrictive. Mm -hmm. So I, I see the aim to make sure that they're not passing, you know, the states aren't passing anything to, to make them more restrictive, mm -hmm. because that is what they're arguing is happening. 
but if you just take a look at it right now, most of them required that signature verification mm -hmm. and maybe to write your driver's license number in or mm -hmm. your social security number. And here's the thing, even if you don't have a driver's license, because I hear that argument making mm -hmm. being made all the time, whether or not you agree with it, you everyone still gets a social security number. Yeah. It, you don't have to apply for it. So or is fine. Yeah, either driver's or. license or but you need some form of identification and a signature just doesn't really cut it, if I'm being honest. Well, the reason I didn't vote by mail like the rest of my family in 2020 is because my signature never looks the same twice. Mine doesn't either. <laughs> I, I, honestly, they got rid of the signature on the SATs because kids are no longer learning cursive. So I feel like you could use that against the signature verification. Yeah. Kids aren't even learning how to sign their name. There are doctors that have better signatures than I do. Yeah, so it's really that's really sad. sad. Yes. So I would be afraid it would be rejected. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid actually when I go there, it would be rejected. And But usually they see my ID and they're like, yeah, okay, I guess that's you. And you found that, what, Florida, if you're voting by mail, you only need the signature. You, you don't need to show your ID. You need the signature. And I believe you needed to put in your driver's license. See, I live here. And I don't even agree with that. Oh, you have to put in your driver's you license. You have to put your driver's license number on the oh. on the absentee ballot. Okay. Well, then and I, I agree remember with that. that with when my my family voted by mail for, for oh, 2020. Okay. So, okay. And we okay. had to put everyone's driver's license. I remember but we talked earlier, and I thought it was just the signature. Even Texas, mm -hmm. who they're claiming has the most strict voting laws, only requires the signature. No. And and the driver's license. No. Mm -hmm. It was How shocking because I thought you had to like jump through hoops, go make a copy on glossy paper and make sure it was notarized by, you know, a monkey. But you're saying that it's not really that restrictive. It's not that restrictive. the way that they're presenting it. Now, I don't remember which state it was, but the one that requires the affidavit to be notarized. I think you said Oklahoma or North Dakota. It was Oklahoma or North Dakota. I don't remember. One of, one of those fun states to say. And I agree with that. Like, that that's the thing. Like, okay, if you want to get it notarized, if you want your, you know, citizens to get it notarized, whatever. I think that's a pain in the ass. Yeah. I have to get things notarized all the time. And to go to the UPS store, I mean, it's not a hassle. It's just annoying. But I would argue that it's better than not having an ID. I think there's a better way they could do it. I no, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. I think I think a, those are two extremes. I think that one is the extreme. I I just don't see it as like super restrictive. I see it as super annoying. Yeah. 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 So like I said, I mean, I get what requiring no no identification for the absentee ballot. I get what it's trying to do. They're trying to make sure that nothing more restrictive, like requiring notaries and mm -hmm. notarization for every absentee ballot. Make sure that's not implemented by states. But I feel like they could phrase it better and say, you know, something to the effect of like, if you, your current least restrictive ID laws. They could just say nothing more than a social security number or, or a driver's license. Yeah, or even, like, nothing more than, yeah, a copy of, of driver's license. Mm -hmm. So I'm not in agreement with having no identification. You have to prove who you are. But I, I get where they're coming from as well. Yeah, I mean, if you want to argue it like that, where you, you, they're concerned that it will get too restrictive, it 
which is just not worded correctly, mm-hmm. is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. I think it could be worded differently. I don't think none is the best option. Mm-hmm. But I think they could phrase it so that their point is made. So the next concern was the perpetual mail-in voting. So the concern that voting by mail would become a perpetual thing. And the bill states that a state may not refuse to accept or process a ballot submitted by an individual by mail with respect to an election for federal office in the state on the grounds that the individual did not meet a deadline for returning the ballot to the appropriate state or local election official if a the ballot is postmarked or otherwise indicated by the USPS to have been mailed on or before the date of the election or has been signed by the voter on or before the date of the election, and b. the ballot is received by the appropriate election official prior to the expiration of the 10-day period which begins on the date of the election. What are your thoughts on that, Jennifer? I mean, you have to have deadlines. So is that basically saying you don't have to have deadlines, or...? It's a little... It's worded oddly. I was going to say, am I oversimplifying that, or...? The ballot is postmarked, or otherwise indicated by the USPS to have been mailed on or before the date of the election. Yeah. So the postmarked thing, I I get. That mm-hmm. does make sense. You know, you put it in there... Mm-hmm. You take it to the, to the post office, they postmark it, but then it doesn't get there within two days, three days. Mm-hmm. But is it more restrictive to make sure that everyone gets it in ten days before the election? Can it be restrictive if everyone is held to the same standard? I guess it can be, but I just feel like we might have less issues with our elections if we're not having those I feel like you can appease both sides here Mm -hmm. like okay so you have to have your mail-in ballot in 10 days postmarked Mm -hmm. 10 days before the election Mm -hmm. that way we ensure all the ballots to an extent Mm -hmm. will get to the polling places by the day we want our results and if you miss that deadline to mail it you can just drop it off you could just drop it off day of and it, you're allowed to have a family member, a nurse, someone you trust, take your ballot and drop it off for you. Mm-hmm. But again, someone... I would if hope, you can't do it yourself. Yeah, I would hope someone who's planning to do mail-in mm-hmm. voting or absentee voting has that plan in place. No, they might have applied for the ballot later than expected. But you would still receive that way before mm-hmm. the deadline. Yeah, I mean, those deadlines are way in advance. Because there's a deadline for the absentee ballot anyway. So I know it I know it does happen, mm-hmm. but everything's going to happen at some point. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong at some point, and, mm-hmm. and it's not a perfect system. But I... it never will be a perfect system. No. Because you're dealing with the post office. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, USPS. USPS. And Dad. <laughs> And I think back to the 2020 election. Do we really want to be waiting around for two weeks? That was terrible. It was awful. <laughs> the worst two weeks. It was of my like life. an episode of American Idol, and you don't know who's being voted <laughs> off for two weeks. And that was 
It was, it was all anybody would talk about, too. So, do we have a president yet? Right. So, you were waiting for this, and then all you had was just trash TV for two weeks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And speculation. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah. Like the worst episode of American Idol ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I. As long as, again, they would not make anything more restrictive, because mm -hmm. I see. I see the left's point on that. Right. Then I don't see why it can't be 10 days prior. But I, I almost argue, like, does anyone really think that voting rights are just going to be, like, so restrictive, like, back in 1965? Clearly, we're getting arrested over it, which is fair. People mm -hmm. got arrested over it then. But the belief that the very... other side is so evil that they would make it so restrictive yeah it's a little out there but it's there yeah maybe it's out there but but it's there and it's a belief mm -hmm. so i think going back to the compromise thing you have to you have to let both sides get to an extent mm -hmm. what they're asking for right like you can't say absolutely no voting id laws mm -hmm. but you can make them minimally restrictive mm -hmm. while also making them effective. Right. We both agree with voting by mail. We think it's great. We don't see anything wrong with it. No. But we both agree that there should be some identification involved. Mm -hmm. I liked the ones um, on the website I was looking at as well, where if you're a first-time voter mm -hmm. in your state or where in, in specific states, then you weren't able to vote by mail. To me, that makes a lot of sense and it had so. and it had a lot of like caveats like if you're disabled or over 65 or something and mm -hmm. in most of them i don't know to me you register to vote mm -hmm. especially if they were to implement registering online and then you have to go in person this is my face this is my id at least that first time and then subsequent elections you can vote by mail Okay, so that's almost like a confirmation that this is indeed the real person with all of this gathered information. Yeah. It makes sense to me. Yeah. I'm incredibly lazy. And so if you said to me, Jack, first-time voter, which I'm not a first-time voter, but back when I was, you can just vote by mail, you don't have to go in, I'd be like, yes, please. I don't want to have to go down there. Yeah, so... But again, as long as you're showing ID, perfect. You can figure out who you are. I feel like that's weird that we're like almost opposite of how we normally think on that. Well, it's I'm, how we function in daily life. You love going out and shopping I and all that stuff. Love going out. More but so I, than me. I do it more than I you. I use yes. Instacart. I use Amazon. I hate going to vote. I agonize for days over it. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go on the early voting on like this day, well, my day off on a Monday line. in the middle of the day. Yeah, like I, I try to go at the best time. I don't want to stand in line. But there's always a line. It doesn't matter what time you go. I wish they had snacks there. Oh, but I guess that would oh, be no, an incentive. no, no, Okay, well, I was thinking about the time I... Every time I give blood, I only usually give blood when there's free pizza or Oreos or... <laughs> I guess that's tickets. incredibly selfish to it's say. A little bit, but at least you're doing a good deed. Right. So. Well, I need my blood back, so I, I need my free <laughs> You'll pizza. You'll make more blood. That. Well, not without the free pizza and Oreos. And the juice. The free juice. So, yeah, there should be at least a deadline. And if we're going to get rid of the deadline, then there at least has to be ID. I, I just feel like you have to have some sort of deadline. You do. 
well, I can just see the argument being made. I mean, it's entirely ludicrous, but I can see it being made at some point. Well, why can't I vote for the next election the day after now. this election? Why can't I just go ahead and It's incredibly restrictive it. to tell me I can't vote the day after this election for the next one. I'm early. I, it's definitely early. So, that's a good point. So, I think the last one... Oh, no, the uh, second to last one. So, one of the other concerns was um, that this bill would allow for just a general council of individuals to do the gerrymandering rather than the elected legislatures to do the gerrymandering in each state. And oddly enough, my mother sent me an article this morning that talked about gerrymandering, specifically in Arizona, um, where they're kind of upset. The Republicans are upset that this independent council is going to be doing the, the, the gerrymandering. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah, we read about that a little bit last night, too, didn't we? Yeah, so this part of the bill... Um, states that Congress also finds that the right of suffrage can be denied by a debasement or dilution of the weight of a citizen's vote just as effectively as by wholly prohibiting the free exercise of the franchise. Congress finds that the right of suffrage has been so diluted and debased by means of gerrymandering of districts. Congress finds that it has the authority, pursuant to Section 5 of the 14th Amendment, to remedy this debasement. So it doesn't outright say it, but if you read these, you know, the, the Republican um, uh, media sources, they say that this allows, or what they're essentially saying here is to redo the gerrymandering. And then associated with that article I read this morning with the Independent Council in Arizona, it seems like that might be the direction that they would want to take this. Mm -hmm. Could be completely wrong. But I also don't agree with the, with the Independent Councils. I get it. I get that it's supposed to reduce bias. But my point was, if you were to bring up each of those members who are to serve on the Independent Council up for a vote, the outcome would look exactly the same way as if you had the legislatures do it. Mm -hmm. And it kind of goes back to what we were saying about the filibuster. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves gerrymandering and filibustering mm -hmm. when you're in control. When right. it's benefiting them and their side, mm -hmm. everybody loves it. Right. It's only when the other side mm -hmm. has it that we start talking about changing it now i would agree that if they put something in this bill that says gerrymandering happens every five years instead of every 10 years okay that seems like a compromise yeah. for both sides mm -hmm. honestly because then you're not stuck for 10 years it's five years yeah now, obviously, there's some historians out there or constitutional scholars who could say, well, Jack, you're completely wrong. And, here's... <laughs> and that's fine. Yeah, I'd We're love always to hear fine it. I'd love wrong. to hear it. We're fine being wrong. But it seems like a general, a, a good compromise. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's where a lot of the anger comes from. Because the Democrats did lose 29 state legislatures in the last election. And that sounds really terrible because for the next 10 years, Republicans get to choose the gerrymandering for those, uh, for those states. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I also don't agree with changing it just because you lost. I was going to say, but if the Republicans put forth a bill and it had something in there about the gerrymandering and the Democrats were in control of it, they'd be like, no, no, we're we're not we're not changing that. Right. So it's just I, like the Supreme Court justice thing. It's just when it's not benefiting you, you've got to scream about it. We're 
regardless of which side you're on. And it's not helpful to like everyday folk who don't know what's going on because that sows division because they don't know. All they hear is this guy's evil, that guy's evil. It's that not makes helpful. my mom so mad. She's like, they're Supreme Court justices. Mm -hmm. They're not going to not take that seriously and like make it partisan. That she's is like, like the highest like, honor. It's the highest honor. Degree. She's she's like I I get that that mm -hmm. you don't like these people, but she's like they're not gonna do that to to this office. Like you're telling me that they've practiced law for sixty odd years to the letter, making sure that their judgments are appropriate, unbiased, and based in law. And now all of a sudden they've got this high position, the highest position in the land. Um, in the judicial branch. Yeah. And now they're just going to be completely partisan? Yeah, be completely partisan, biased, and just basically... Which we never see. You never see that. There was one, like, one of the first really big, I guess, rulings from mm -hmm. from the newest justice. Mm -hmm. And some of my family was getting a little heated about it. And, and she just looks at them and goes, they're going to do the right thing. That's the point. Right. And sure enough, I don't remember which ruling it was, but they did mm -hmm. do the right thing. And I mean, the the fair and Supreme Court justice e thing. So. Right. It was non-biased and non-partisan. Sure, you lose some, and it feels like they're against you. But I mean, if you look at every decision it's overall, it's one for the left, one for the right, one for the left. That seems how it works usually. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not what they're doing. No, no. They're not throwing but... darts at the uh, at the proposals that are being being brought forth. Oh, this one can go to the right. This one can go to the left. You get this one. You get this one. You get this one. Right. It's based in constitutional law and how you interpret the Constitution. And I think they probably know way more about constitutional law than I do. Um eons for both of us for both of us i think i took one constitutional law course in in college it was i liked it but i don't remember much about it there's a so. great series by hillsdale college um i'm sure someone's going to scream at me that that's like some partisan college or whatever i don't know how they lean but they do really good um quality um videos about the constitution they break it down and they have like sit downs with the students and stuff it's it's high end which i like yeah which is why i argue for netflix starting their own college yes. because it'll be you know perfectly filmed and whatnot see our other video on our student loans and our students being under attack Ooh, is that a shameful plug it was a shameful plug so the last um concern was about kind of like a donation pool and i think you know a little bit more about it you read the article by Newsweek, and this was kind of all over the place in the bill, so I don't think we can bring it up in the bill per se, but we have that Newsweek article that kind of breaks down um, what that donation pool would do, and it was something it had to do with when you receive your tax returns, you can decide whether or not you want to donate. So again, I was talking, I talked to my mom a lot, obviously. Um, and we were actually talking about that this morning because I was like, you know, I, I feel stupid. I feel really, really stupid that I didn't know that that was what that meant on my tax return. I've never seen it. I've never donated to it. I have seen it before because um, I use TurboTax. Um, and it always 
brings up this like final page of would you like to donate to the presidential campaign and I won't even say it was with the most recent you know administration I was like no I'm not gonna do that I was just like I've always I've, I've always said no I would why would I be donating to the political campaign or to the presidential campaign through my tax return because right. I want all of my tax return it's my Disney money so I didn't know that was what it went to which again I felt really stupid but hey we learned something we did and my mom was of the same opinion though she's like yeah she's like I I don't think that she's like I don't like that it just goes into this this pot of money she's like for really? anyone to use yeah she she didn't like it but it's not for anyone it's for well i think that one's just for the presidential that one and is just for the presidential the election. bill wants to make it for everyone else who's made more than fifty thousand contributions well the bill doesn't want to take take it from that okay. funding source it wants to take it from a different funding source and i can't recall the exact one because mm -hmm. it was very complicated mm -hmm. there was a lot of like six to one and ratios that but it would be like another checkbox on your tax return or no it wouldn't be that it would be um going through private donations i think it was oh so if you just generally wanted to if make you a donation, just made a donation to a campaign i think it would include a matching thing at a six to one ratio and it, Again. it would be matched by not sure that was not ever clear to me yeah because i read it too this <laughs> it, is why i'm asking you because it, i couldn't that was not it. clear now currently the freedom from bias or freedom from something fund mm -hmm. is taken from like taxes on different like i want criminal is the word coming to mind but like oh, people who evade their taxes fraud. yeah tax fraud things like that it's taken from taxes imposed on that mm -hmm. and and those fees and things like that mm -hmm. but this would also get it funded through a different way through private donations and again it was never super clear how mm -hmm. that would work um, even in the article we were reading, so. So with the Freedom Fund, what you're saying is that our politicians are funded by criminals. Sure. <laughs> if that's how you want to take that, then yes. Um, I, I slightly disagree with with my mom on mm -hmm. on presidential campaigns being able to to take it, and obviously, representative campaigns being able to to take funding. Mm -hmm. um, but I also, it also bothered me when we read that in two of now President Biden's campaign bids, he received money from that fund. And I don't know why it bothered me, but it did. Because it was like, he didn't even make it past very far. And he oh, got, you mean he got money from that fund. Yeah, his, his past presidential bids before this one. He received money from that fund. And I don't, I don't know why it bothered me. I'm going to have to think about that some more. But... It did. I guess because he lost. I think maybe you want someone to have to earn a first. Maybe. Because there is that provision in the bill that I think it's as long as you've made over a threshold of 50000 mm. then you start getting from that pool. That's the one they want to make for the representatives. Mm -hmm. I think it might be higher for presidential, if I'm remembering correctly. I feel like it also should come down to maybe your income or what you have in assets. Yeah. Right, because if you're someone like Donald Trump, who's a billionaire, should you really be receiving those funds? Or if you're someone who's more of like, 
running as an independent who you know we know independents don't have a lot of money to run on yeah then maybe you should be getting that contribution maybe it should also be based on voter signatures right so if you can get i don't know a million signatures that shows that you really have a good solid base behind you and so maybe at that point then you should start earning that money as opposed to just a dollar amount. Because you could get a lot of large dollar donations, but you don't have a lot of people behind you. That's fair. That's fair. And it does specify small dollar donations. So like under two hundred dollars. For the for the for this one in the bill. Mm-hmm. For the one in the bill. And and the current one Yeah, no. Uh, definitely in the bill though. And I agree with the pool. I mean, I, there is a problem when it comes to money and politics, and you have plenty of, of wonderful underdogs yeah. who, I guess they're just, they're. it's not that they can't do it, it's just they're going up against someone who has more money, so they can, like Mayor Bloomberg, remember mm-hmm. when he ran and you saw ads from him every day, every second hour and you of saw the day. no one else's. Right, right, for like a month until he dropped out. And that was the funny thing. My mom was totally for one, like a public fund for Congress. Mm-hmm. She said that it was the presidential one she really had the problem with. Maybe because it's the presidential, maybe it's just not necessary because mm-hmm. there's so much focus from the media. And because she feels like, you know, underdogs and, and general people like who are out there living the the normal life mm-hmm. they should be the ones doing the job in congress and, and mm-hmm. the senate right and that's true because usually it's the underdogs who are running for congress and it's usually the experienced congressmen that are running for president the presidential exactly the and they elections. have that established base mm-hmm. and that established like campaign team and mm-hmm. and they have the tools and more likely than not already have some of the money Maybe that should be a feature, too. Maybe the money should not go towards re-election campaigns. You have already been elected. You've already established that base. You've already been receiving donations from whoever during your two years or four years in the the House or the Senate. Then that should go towards everyone else. Mm -hmm. Again, but you should probably have that voter threshold. Yeah. Because I think it's a good thing to have that pool. I mean, like we said, there's a problem when it comes to money and politics. But going back to my point from earlier, is that really what we need in a voting rights bill? No. I No. That's something that could be separate. It could be in its own separate campaign finance voting bill. There's no reason it needs to be in the, uh, apparently, the most vital voting bill when it comes to protecting voter rights, especially amongst minorities and, and, and everyone. Because, again, to me... It doesn't seem like it does a lot of a lot of what you just said it's supposed to be doing. So, does a lot of other stuff mm-hmm. that you can agree with or not. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it really protects our voting. I don't think we read anything in there that specifically protects our voting. Sure, it has some insinuations towards preventing, you know, severe restrictions. But it's more broad or more vague. It just says you can't do this yeah yeah uh, and i don't especially because they'll never get it passed no. in in my opinion mm. it's not going to do anything to protect those those voting rights and, and, and those restrictions and it's it's sad because it's really just stirring people up it it is and maybe that's all they wanted is to just be like well you don't care about voting rights mm-hmm. 
and continue to, and I'll tell you guys, sometimes I can be one of the most hardcore liberals out there. And when I'm sitting here defending the Republicans as not being the bad guys, like, like you know that's probably the truth. And that's, the, I and, mean, and it's, fair. It's fair because no one is the bad guy on either side. I mean, there's terrible people on there either are side. People. I mean, those are the extremists, in, right? On the left or on the side. right, or yeah, whatever. But the majority of people are good people. And the way that they're painted in the media, whether left or right, it's not good. The way that they're presenting this as a fundamental problem for voting rights is not good for at least the Republican side. Because yeah. if you're saying these people are restricting your rights, that's a horrible thing to say. And it's just not accurate. I think that's what accurate. I said last night when we were talking about it in the beginning. You know, we were saying they're they're painting this picture and i was like i want to read what's actually in that bill mm -hmm. to see why they're so vehemently mm -hmm. against it because it just didn't sound right to me mm -hmm. it just didn't sound right and then you get to the comments and the comments are even crazier <sighs> than the article itself not your comments but you we never find comments. these yeah not your comments but you never find you never find it when you actually read the bills yeah which, I mean, we understand this is 800 pages long, and it took us all six, seven, eight hours we poured over this. Uh, was it that long? I thought it was only three or four. Well, I guess Two it was... Two or three, maybe. I guess it was... <laughs> maybe, maybe... I was playing it up a little bit. That's, you know, it's the media. The media has taught me to do that. <laughs> no, no, be <laughs> accurate. But to be fair, we did not read every word. Right. We skimmed probably the last 70% of it. Mm -hmm. So... And then finally, we just stopped because we were like, okay, I'm tired, I'm hungry, and and this is going nowhere. And My eyes hurt. Normal people, well, we are normal people, but. Normal, not crazy not gonna people. Read it. Yeah. So. I think that's all we have to say about I that. I think that's all we have to say about that. We had a lot to say about that, mm -hmm. but. But if you find something that we missed in this bill, leave a comment down below. Leave. If you're crazy like us and want to read the whole bill, I'm it's sure out there. There's some people out there that are into the law and that type of stuff. And maybe understand it a little better and right. won't just get bogged down by the remove semicolon here in oh this gosh, article. There's so many semicolons that they that removed. need removing. Like, you just get a good editor. I don't even use that many semicolons in my writing. There's so many semicolons. Anyway. Leave a comment down below and the section and subsection that you found it in so it's yes. easier for us to find. And remember, we're okay with being wrong. Mm -hmm. We're okay with our opinions changing. We're okay with being presented with new information. And if, if we're wrong, let us know. We want to be right. We want to be right. And we need help with that sometimes. Mm -hmm. So this is what we think. This is what we feel. If you like it and want to see more, comment, subscribe. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. But otherwise, we'll see you in the next see one. See you next time.